if you're single, I don't care if you're married, I don't care if you have children, I don't care if you are a child under parents, your sin affects more than just you. It always does, and it did in this case. So the children of Israel, they go, they fight AI presumptuously. We're going to smoke them because we're bigger than them. We don't even have to try hard, not just with one hand tied behind our backs. We'll tie both hands behind our backs, and we'll only use one leg, and we're still going to smoke them. And they ended up being smoked because they realized our victory is not in our numbers, nor is it in our strength. It is in the blessing of God. And apparently something's going on with that because we don't have his blessing. And as it turns out, God was angry about the sin that had been committed. And so we dealt with how that sin was brought to light. In verse number 18, it says, And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son... Give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done, hide it not from me. And, and Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. We're not going to look there yet, but this is what you read in James. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Every single time. The cycle of sin. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing and honoring God's word with me. This time, we'll enjoy a special from Miss Rebecca it was great to have Miss Jessica back playing the piano this morning, slowly recovering. And we're so thankful for all the different musicians that God has given us. And Miss Becca does a great job in the role that she has. And this is actually a song that she wrote. And uh, she, I've heard it once, and I know it's going to be a blessing the second time. And if you'll listen, it will be a blessing to you as you hear it this morning. Sometimes I feel all alone, but I find comfort in your word. It's my guide, it's my light and more. In its pages I find rest, wisdom and righteousness. It's all I need, all I need to guide me to you. So
to speak the gospel plain, but my words can be in vain. They need your words, Lord, not love the way that that song was written to tell a story and I think my favorite one of my favorite parts of it is how we read of our guilt but then we read of his salvation it's wonderful every time I hope you don't ever get bored with the fact that the same savior who confronts your sin is the same savior who died for that sin it's a wonderful message to hear that's a that's a blessing and so thankful for it there, um, there were 10 young men that wanted to do an experiment about the process of gravity. So they all climbed up on a roof, and one by one they jumped off. And in every time, shocking to find, they all hit the ground. <laughs> Can tell y'all aren't digging this this morning. Say, what's the point? There are certain things that always turn out the same way. And uh, when young men and their brain cells are not firing on all cylinders quite yet, decide to climb up on roofs and then jump, it's always going to end up with them on the ground in some level of discomfort and other people's level, some level of humor depending on the severity of the discomfort. It's amazing to me that sometimes we think in our lives that the hidden sin in my life will turn out differently than it did in so many others' lives. That I can stand on this roof and I can jump off of it and I'll be the one exception where it turns out different it turns out better. I'm the one that's going to get away with it. I'm the one that's going to be the exception to the rule. But as we see in the life of Achan, as we see in the principles that are declared in the book of James, and as we see in so many other examples, there is a cycle of sin, and the end product is never good. Now look, we, we are all about a God of grace who produces hope, even in the most difficult circumstances. Now, I don't want to get too far off on this, but aren't you thankful for the truth of Romans 8, 
that God is able to work all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. No, I'm thankful that God can even take a terrible circumstance and he can bring good out of it. But that doesn't mean that those circumstances weren't still terrible. And it doesn't mean that there, those consequences weren't still bad consequences. And just because there is a God who can intervene and restore us doesn't mean there's not still going to be the destructive consequence of the cycle of sin. In our text in verse number 20, Achan has just been confronted with this question. What did you do to sin against God? What did you do to offend God? Are you guilty as God has indicated to us? And so in verse 20, Achan admits it and says, I have sinned and thus and thus have I done. I admit that I've transgressed. I admit that I disobeyed. And then in verse number 21, he describes how it happens. And in his description of how it happens, we see this description, we see this explanation within his description of the cycle of sin. He describes this scene. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. There, he's, he's among the soldiers that are going into the city of Jericho. They, they marched around at one time for six days. On the second day, one time. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, one time. Then on the seventh day, he, he's a part of that group as they march around it seven times. And then the people shout and the trumpets blow and God miraculously brings the walls down. And they go in and, and they wage war the way that God says to. But he's given very specific instructions and God has not been ambiguous. God has been very clear. He has not been vague or confusing. There is no spoil in here that you are to take for yourselves. Because of the wickedness of this city, this place is accursed, and you are not to touch the gold for yourselves, you're not to touch the silver, you're not to touch the garments. Anything that you would desire in this city, you are to keep your hands off of it because it's a curse before me. Only the precious metals are to be sanctified and they are to be brought into the tabernacle for my use in my worship and in my service, but you refrain from taking things for yourselves. Now, you can say, and we'll get to this point in a little bit, that seems really selfish of God, but not really when you consider two things. Number one, he's God, and he's perfect. Number two, look at how much he's already done for them. They are wealthy beyond imagination after coming out of Egypt and all the, literally the wealth that was bestowed upon them. When they left Egypt, the Egyptians were giving them stuff to try to get them to leave. It's like, here, I'll give you the whole meal if you'll just get out of my house. That's what Egypt was saying. Take our stuff and go. And then they wander in the wilderness under rebellion, but God doesn't destroy them he purges out the unbelieving generation, but then he raises up these new generations of which Achan was a part of. He brings them across the Jordan. He brings down the walls. He gives them victory with the certainty of all these promises. But as Achan begins to climb through the rubble and as he's waging war and as he's fighting against, against the enemy, and then he comes upon this broken down house and he sees all this amazing stuff. And those are... I've been in the wilderness for like 20 years in these clothes. I've been in the wilderness for like 30, 40 years in these clothes. These are some of the nicest threads I've ever seen. Same coat all this time. Look at that garment. Man, look at that gold. 
Look at those wedges of gold. Look at that. Look at those silver coins. Man, that could be, that could be really useful once our communities are established and it's time. It, it, it's time to begin to establish a process of buying and selling. That, that could really get me and my wife ahead and it could get our adult children ahead and I, I could really do a, a lot more with this. And, and he begins to see it and that's what he says. I saw it. I saw among the spoils this garment and I, I saw these 200 shekels of silver in this wedge of gold. And I see it and I begin to think about what this could do for me. And I completely ignore the fact that I've been given a very specific command. And I start thinking about how much I want this. I coveted. No, it's not that I was ignorant. It's that I didn't care. I coveted. And after I've thought about it long enough. And after I've thought about how I want this long enough. I decide, you know what? You know what? We've been in this wilderness. We just crossed over this Jordan. We've been on this journey long enough. Nobody is going to notice. A couple of a garment, a couple of wedges of gold, a few pieces of silver. In all of this city, all of the precious metals that are being given to the tabernacle for Jehovah's worship, and all of this stuff that is supposed to be left here or burned and destroyed, nobody's going to notice this little bit, so I'm going to take it. And then because I, I understand that this is a violation of what I've been commanded, I'm going to go hide it in my tent, and it's going to be all good. And when it comes time to cash in, I'll be one step ahead of everybody else. I want to ask some questions as we go through this. First of all, looking at the statements, I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. I want to ask Aiken some questions. Number one, Aiken says this, I saw. Here's my question. Where is your focus? Why were you getting distracted focusing on that stuff when you had plenty of other things to be paying attention to? You had a task. You were literally engaged in combat at that moment. There were others of your brothers in arms that were putting their lives on the line. In, in a sense, I understand God was giving them the victory, but there were others there in that same task. And, and you're not concerned with looking out for your fellow soldiers or your fellow citizens. You're there and there looking at these garments. You had a command. You had a task to conquer Jericho. You had a command to keep yourself from this. Why are you focusing on something that God has clearly forbidden you? Not only that, you had a promise. No, God, is, God has told you this, this isn't the end. This is the beginning of something amazing. I'm going to bring you into this land. I'm going to give you this land. And I'm going to make you fruitful in this land. It's a land that's overflowing with milk and honey. And if I, I have allowed you to begin to see all that could happen for your good. You're failing to see 20, down, 20 years down the road. Please get this. And instead you're focusing on this one little garment. You're ignoring the next three decades. Over two wedges of gold. Where is your focus? Number two. Second statement. I coveted. Where is your contentment? Now I can see Aiken in there. You know how good it feels to walk around a flea market? Okay, maybe you don't. I love, I love going to Goodwill, Youth Ranch, 
garage sales because obviously I need more of other people's junk. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Go in there and <laughs> see what we can find. <laughs> Not like I don't already have a house full of stuff. I don't even know where it's at. You ever, you ever forgot you had something? <laughs> Wish I'd known I had that when I needed it two weeks ago. Oh, well, I'm going to take it to Goodwill. <laughs> I wonder how many people have accidentally bought something from Goodwill that they donated to Goodwill a year before. <laughs> It'd be pretty epic. I'd love to track that. You go into Goodwill, you're like, man, I need, babe, babe. I'm actually talking to my babe, not a random babe in here. <laughs> babe. I need that in my life. I know it's $2, but I need that. She's like, you threw one away last week. I know, but I need that. Can you see Aiken? Ooh, I have got to have that. I know. I can't be happy without that. What, 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 what do you mean? No, that's the, that's the idea. Please stay with me. That's the idea of coveted. I can't be happy without that. If I don't have that thing, if I don't have that possession, if I don't have that opportunity, if I don't have that thing in my life, then I cannot be happy without it. See, what's the problem with that? Here's the problem. Achan isn't considering the good that God has already done in his life. This is what we know about him. He has children. The implication of that is that he has a wife. He has a family. He's a part of the generations that did not die in the wilderness under judgment, but he's a part of the generations that have been preserved and brought out of the wilderness. He's a part of the Jordan River generation that saw God part the river and brought them through. He's a part of the generation that has seen God bring down these walls no one thought was possible. He has seen God do all of these things. In this period of his life, he's seen God bless him so much. Please hang on. With the promise of more blessing to come. And yet, you got to have that. No, no, you don't understand. I can't live without that. Where is your contentment? God has done so much for you. And yet, you're now saying that what God has done for me pales in comparison to this thing that he has told me to leave alone? No, you didn't covet it because it was better. It was not better than the things God has blessed you with. You coveted what God forbids you to have because you wanted it and you weren't satisfied. Next statement I took. Here's my question. First question I saw, where's your focus? Second question I coveted, where's your contentment? Third statement I took, where is your submission? You are a servant to God. No, I don't, I don't like how that sounds. No, remember what Israel was before God intervened. They were slaves in Egypt. God delivers them, and now they have a relationship with him to where they are to live out his commands and demonstrate his goodness and his love for people so that not just in Israel, but all the world would desire to know and worship God and have a relationship with him. But this is what they forgot. After all that he's done for us, we owe him. I'm not going to rush through this. I understand this may not be popular, but the Bible is very clear about this in 1 Corinthians 6. Dealing with, the, dealing with the issue 
of sexual immorality, the word of God says this, what, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which ye have of God? And then it makes this statement, ye are not your own. What do you mean? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Listen to me believers, if if a person does not know Jesus Christ, that statement is not for them. You need to know that there is a savior who understands you're a sinner and he died on the cross and he will give you eternal life if you will put your faith in him and he will forgive you for everything that you have ever done. That statement is written to children of God who have accepted Jesus Christ and then decide this, I'm just gonna live my life however I want to. I got my free ticket into heaven. I get to enjoy the eternal show, so I'm just gonna do as I please right now. Here's how Paul said it. Ye are not your own. What do you mean I'm not my own man? What do you mean I'm not my own woman? I mean, if you trusted in Jesus to save you, he died for you, he paid a great price to forgive you and to make you right before God, and you owe him. Oh, don't get confused. I'm about to have to jump up on a chair here. This is good. Don't get confused. I am not referring to working for your salvation. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Because you can't work for your salvation. And you can't lose your salvation because of the works you do or don't do. You're not saved because of anything that you do. You're not not saved because of anything you haven't done or chosen to do. The only way, mm, man, can I get an amen from the sound booth? The only way a person gets saved is by believing in the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. I like that. That, But y'all weren't supposed to say that. That was Brother Patrick, but I heard him. No, you're not saved because of what you do, but your salvation should produce some doing. And this is what, this is, what is especially happening in America, where we are so rich with materialism, so rich with the American dream, so entitled that because I can, I should be allowed to. No, you, as a child of God, you do not have a right to determine how you want to live your life. No, I understand you have that freedom before God, but you have an obligation before the God who has made his mind known to you by his love and his grace demonstrated through Jesus Christ to know the will of God and to submit to it. And when God says don't, that ought to be enough for you. You know why? Because he died to save me. No, I'll move on past this point and get to the conclusion, but I want to make sure we get this. No, I, this is, I, I use this same principle on a lesser level to try to teach our children to respect their mom. This woman, this amazing woman, gave her body to allow you to grow in it. And in this day and age, that's not a foregone conclusion. Allowed you to grow in it, and then she gave birth to you. And when you act like your father, she still loves you. This is what I tell my children. No, I do. You owe her. I'm not asking. I'm not asking you children to like every command that she gives. But you better appreciate her enough and love her enough and understand how much you owe your mama that you're willing to obey her even when you don't like it. Oh, that's good for kids. Yeah, that's also good for children of God regardless of what age they are. You belong to him because he paid a great price for you. Last statement, I hid. 
I hid. There's Achan. Stay with me. There's Achan. Oh, man, look at this. Nothing to see here. Victory. Yeah, victory. He didn't just throw it in his tent. He hid it in the earth. Kids, go outside and play. It's all good. We, retirement, we got a head start on it, babe. Where is your reality? What do you mean, where is your reality? Aiken, why are you acting like those decisions have no consequences? Why are you acting like you can disobey God and then just go throw some dirt on it and it's going to be all good? You're acting like God doesn't see inside your tent. Furthermore, you're acting like God doesn't care. It's just a, it's just a little bit of stuff. And so then I have this question for Aiken. After asking, where is your focus? After asking, where is your contentment? After asking, where is your submission? And ask, after asking, where is your reality? This is my question. Was what you hid in your tent worth the heat of your judgment? Was what you hid in your tent worth the heat of your judgment? Come on, please, please get this. Moms and dads, for the sake of your children, please consider this. Achan didn't just lose the garment and the silver and the gold. He lost everything God wanted to do for him and his family down the road. Do you remember the statement at the beginning? Achan sacrificed two or three decades of God's blessing for a wedge, a couple of wedges of gold, a few pieces of silver, and some really nice threads. Look in James, if you would, with me. James chapter 1, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is never going to try to get you to sin. No, you may face temptation in your life, but it's not because God's trying to get you to mess up. No, there is an enemy who works behind the scenes. And there is a sinful world that rejects God and is just doing stuff. And the consequence of that is that we are confronted with temptation on a fairly regular basis. And by fairly regular, I mean daily. And besides that, we all have our own sin nature. And so it's not like we have to try hard to want to do something we shouldn't. You know, I have to really work up an appetite to disobey. Really? No, it comes pretty naturally. From about the time you're two months old or younger, all the way up into your 70s or 80s, it comes pretty natural. Don't blame God for it, verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. The, it's just like that cycle that Achan referenced. I saw it. I coveted it. I took it. I hid it. Here's what he thought. I'll get away with it. But then he paid for it with his life. And I believe others in his family paid for it with their lives as well because of their awareness of it and participation of it. Look at verse number 16 of James 1. Do not err or do not err, my beloved brethren. What does that mean? Don't think that you can put yourself in a cycle of sin and it turn out different for you. Let me give you some, let me give you some thoughts and then I'll give you this statement. This cycle is true for everyone. It's not just true for Achan, and it's not just true for the people that would be reading the epistle of James for the first time. It's true for everyone. It's true for a pastor. It's true for a doctor. It's true for a garbage man. It's true for a teacher. It's true for the individual that works from home. It's true for the factory employee. It's true for any kind of first responder. This cycle is true for Everyone, you cannot start this cycle and continue this cycle without it ending up in one way or another in the same place every time with destruction and loss and regret. Number two, it's not just the description of how it goes. It's a warning of where it always leads. It's not just a, some kind of like, this is a description of this process. This is a warning, Old and New Testament, to the people of God in 2021 that this cycle always leads to the same place. Young people, look at me. You, you are surrounded by a culture that tells you you can live however you want and get away with it. But I am telling you on the authority of the word of God and the experience of people who have lived their lives in this room can testify to this, this cycle always turns out the same way. And yet it would not surprise me if in some heart in this room, there's some young person saying, no, it'll be different for me. I mean, you, you, you can stand up there, pastor, and say what you want to say, but if I'm sneaking out with this guy, it's not going to turn out the same way. If I'm doing these things on social media, and man, it, it's not going to turn out the same way for me. If I'm, if I'm hiding the fact that I'm out drinking or I've got some friends that I'm doing some drugs with, it's going to turn out different for me. I've got a handle on it. The cycle always leads to the same place. It's loss. It's heartache. It's regret that you can't take back. And I'm thankful for the grace of God, young people, that can restore anyone from anywhere. But it'd be a whole lot better to avoid certain cycles. If you don't have to jump off the roof, then don't jump off the roof. No, if the house is on fire and you need to save somebody and you got to be the hero, then jump off the roof. But otherwise, use the stairs. I know that's deep. You say, yeah, that's good for our teenagers. That's good for some married people in here. That's good for some single folks in here. It's good for some college students. It's good for some retired folks. You're like, no, I've lived my life long enough. I can kind of take my leisure and do as I please. 
God doesn't, the commands and expectation of God do not age out. And the warnings of his judgment do not age out. One step, thought number three, one step always leads to another step. Oh, look, I'm just, I hate this statement. Man, I hate this statement. I hate this statement. And I hate that people, that children of God use this statement in inappropriate ways. I'm just window shopping. You show me in the Bible where God allows you to look at someone and lust after them, and he's okay as long as you look. I'm pretty sure Jesus dealt with the idea of window shopping when he said, Whoso looketh on to lust after hath already committed adultery in his heart. And the same is true for her heart as well. It was a male-centric society then, but it's a society now where just anybody can look at anyone and think whatever they want. And as long as we don't do anything, God's okay with it. No, 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 no. God cares about what's going on in that brain of yours. God cares about what you're looking at, but there's more danger. You look at something long enough, you'll start wanting it. And you tolerate wanting it long enough, you tolerate longing for it long enough, you tolerate imagining having, having it long enough, you'll eventually begin to pursue it. And one step always takes you closer to the next step. Last thought, the cycle ends the same way for everyone. So here's the statement. Actually, let me make the, make the statement about Aiken. Is what you're hiding worth what you are going to lose? That's a good question this morning. Now, let, me ask you, let me ask you some other questions. Where is your focus? You got, hey, you got so much to do. Teenagers, you got schoolwork. Come on, parents, help me out here. I'll say it again. You have schoolwork. We're not trying to raise ignorant children. You have a brain that God gave you. And he uses a process of education to refine and inform and develop that brain. Like, man, are you telling me school works of God? Yes! Man, don't roll your eyes at me, children. Some of y'all have got an attitude right now. You need to submit to your teacher. Well, my teacher's my mom. Then submit to your teacher. Do your score. You got too much busyness to be messing around on social media with your schoolwork. Do your schoolwork. Some of you know how to operate Facebook and Instagram and Twitter better than you know how to quote verses in the Bible. Learn the word of God. Some of you need to learn how to actually be a friend to one another. Stop being grumpy. Stop being mad. You have a mom or a dad or both, and you need to be obeying them. You say, what are you talking about? You got busyness, brother. You got busyness, sister. Get your focus off of stuff you shouldn't be focusing on and stay busy. You're like, that's good. Yeah, it's good for some adults out here, too. I'm going to bring this to a conclusion and not talk about you right now, but you got busyness, too. Uh, where is your contentment? Where is your submission? Where is your reality? Is what you are hiding worth what you are going to lose? 
I'm not assuming anyone in here is hiding something. But I'm also not ignoring the possibility that in a church family, it's possible there's some things being hidden. You know what the mistake Israel made was? You know what the mistake they made was? Nobody's hiding anything. We're, we're good. We're good. What are you hiding if you're hiding something? Here's the statement. There are no exceptions to the cycle of sin. There are no exceptions to the cycle of sin. One step of looking leads to another step of coveting, leads to another step of action, and leads to a result where we hide and then we end up paying for it. There are no exceptions. So here's the question. If you're in that cycle, if you're in that cycle, are you willing to get out? If you have experienced the consequences of that cycle, are you willing to humble yourself and let the grace of God restore you? Because he can. I don't want to, I, I need to stop preaching. But even if you're at this end of the cycle, God can restore you, hallelujah. But to people that are somewhere over here, it'd be a whole lot better to submit to the grace of God now and get out of the cycle than, than to end up down there if you can. If you can avoid a train wreck, Let's just come to the grace of God and say, God, help me to avoid this train wreck. No, God can restore any wreck. And he has all over this place, praise his name. And he is. We believe in a God who rescues his people. He'll save you this morning. He'll help you this morning. He'll lift you up this morning. But man, if you're over here somewhere and you're like, I've got this. Cycle works out the same for everybody. Be better to get out of it now before you have to pay far more than you want to pay. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. For our guest, if this is your first time, we have what we call an invitation. And, and this is the premise of it. This is what motivates it. If you believe God has spoken to you, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. And that might be something you just you want to do right there in your seat and that's fine it may be that you would like to come and use this altar and there are, there are individuals who on any given service will choose to come and pray it may be that you need someone to talk to and we just want to let you know that we are available to be a help to you we're not, we're not going to do anything we're not going to force anything but if God has spoken to you and give him the courtesy of a response. So the, the first question is for those who know they're saved. You say, I know for sure that I have trusted Jesus as my Savior. I know for sure that I'm his child. If I died right now, I know that I would go to heaven because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. I am saved. I'm a child of God because I have believed in Jesus to save me from my sin. I admitted I'm a sinner. I have trusted in Christ. I know I'm a child of God. Then here's the question. Have you allowed some things in your life? Maybe it's at the very early stages of just looking. But you've allowed some attitudes in your life. You've allowed some desires to begin to take root. Maybe you've even taken some steps. Maybe you have even begin, begun, you have begun to try to live out these ideas that you are hiding 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, please, no one looking around, I wonder if there would be someone who would raise their hand and say, I know that I'm saved, but I have let some things in my life that I need to deal with. Maybe it's in the early stages, maybe it's in the middle stages or the latter stages, but I need, I need God to help me deal with it. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Yeah, I see him going up. God bless you for your honesty. Yeah, I see him going up. God bless you. Yeah. He can. He can. He can help you. He can help you so much. I wonder this. I wonder if there's someone who would give testimony and say, man, I have let that cycle go on in my life and I suffered for it, but I just want to raise my hand in testimony to the goodness of God that he can restore people even when they're broken and I'm thankful for it. You say, yeah, oh, I see him. Oh, yeah, praise his name. Yep. That started with you humbling yourself. I wonder this morning if there's someone who'd say, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. If I died right now, I do not know for sure that I would go to heaven because I've, I, I believe about God or I wonder about the idea of God, but I, I have never had a, had a specific time in my life when I trusted in Jesus to save me, and I don't know that I'm saved, but I want to know. Would you please pray for me? I wonder if there'd be anyone who'd raise their hand and say, that's me. Yeah, I see it. God bless you. Say, would you pray for me? Let's all stand together. As Brother Nate begins to sing, if God has spoken to your heart, you feel free to respond to him however you believe is appropriate. If you would like someone to pray with you, please come forward and get my attention, and we'll be happy to pray with you and be a help to you. But while Brother Nate sings, you respond to the Lord. Search me, oh God, know my heart Father, thank you for the time. Thank you for each guest. Thank you for each person that's here, Lord. I know that you love each one of us more than we can comprehend. And so I pray that that love would be experienced through humility and a willingness to be honest. And then, Lord, I, I know a message like this is going to affect different people a different way. And it may be that for most, it's just a reminder of truth. And so if it's nothing but a reminder, then help us to apply the preventative maintenance that is necessary to be on guard in our own lives and to be on guard in the lives of others over whom we have influence 
and with whom we have relationship to be a help in it and an encouragement to them. And Father, I do, I don't want this to be missed. This wasn't the primary point, but I don't want it to be missed that even in the worst of cases, God, you still offer grace and restoration. And uh, Achan was a very specific account of a very specific situation with a very specific command, and it was dealt with harshly. But God, I'm thankful that Jesus was dealt with in the harshest way so that we could receive grace. And I pray that you would help people to know that there is hope in you and to learn from these truths today. So please bless your people. Pray for your blessing on the service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. It's great to be with you. For everyone watching online, thanks for hanging out with us. For everyone here, it's an honor to have you. We'll look forward to having services at 5 o'clock tonight. Brother Nate will dismiss us with a song. All right, let's do the first verse of hymn number 333. That's Calvary Covers It All.